Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thanks, church family, for being here today to worship together. And a good morning to you. Excited for where we're headed today as we open God's Word. This season, we've been chasing this question, why did God become human? And today, as we chase this question, we are going to follow it into a palace, and then we're going to move to a prison and um, investigate. And so first, we'll start with a, a palace. It was a a Roman palace there in the first century. Uh, John chapter 18, verse 33 is where we'll begin. And it's the, uh, in this palace, it's a a Roman palace, as I mentioned, Pilate is the the governor of, in this area, and he's the one who is actually looking at Jesus. Jesus has been arrested. The charge against Jesus is treason. He's claimed to be king. And so Pilate asked him this question, verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you king of the Jews? Are you king? Who are you? This is the reason you're standing before me. This is the reason that they want your life. So is it true? Who are you? Are you king of the Jews? And Jesus responds, is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? Pilate says, well, am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is of another place. You are, you are king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you say that I am king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. With this, he he went out again to the Jews gathered there, and he said, I find no basis uh, for this charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? To which we know... They shout, no, give us Barabbas. Chapter 19, verse 12, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be king opposes Caesar. And so finally, Pilate says, here is your king. But they shouted, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. And in verse 19, it says, Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priest of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. So now fast forward some 60 years to a prison in Rome. So we had a Roman 
a, a palace um, where there was this Roman governor wondering, who is Jesus? You fast forward to the epicenter of, of the power of that day, Rome, and a prison. And there in the prison is the Apostle Paul. He's in chains for his faith in this one who was crucified, Jesus. And he knows his time is short. God has made it clear to him that his departure to heaven is, is coming. And so he's downloading the most important information that he has to the one he loves, uh, this young pastor in Ephesus, Timothy, his mentor. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. He's just pouring out his heart and listening to what he says in this text. Verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. This is the good news for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not changed. And so he's saying to Timothy, remember this. Remember this. And he's boiling it down really to one short phrase. This gospel, fix your eyes upon this. Don't lose sight of this. Let this own your focus as you do life. Remember this, Jesus Christ. He is, he is the one we're locking in on. And who is this one? He is raised from the dead. And then did you notice the second part? He is descended from David. This is my gospel. Why does he emphasize, we, we know raised from the dead, we, and we cover that each Easter, and that, that makes sense. He's alive, this one that we're following, he's alive. But why does he add this piece descended from David? What's the significance of that? Why must we remember that? What, where is the, 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 why does that matter? And is, thinking about this and looking at this through scripture, there's really, it, it boils down to one word, and it's hope. Here Paul is in prison. He's in a dark place. What is it that gives him enduring grit, that, that keeps, keeps him going? And Timothy in Ephesus, he's going through a hard time, and it's going to be tough. And we know, as Jesus said, this, this world is not his kingdom. How do we live with enduring grit when life is hard, when life is dark? Remember this, Jesus Christ, alive, raised from the dead and descended from David. He is king, and he is ruling today, is what that phrase um, says to us and emphasizes. It's as if here he's lifting our eyes from the darkness of this world to the bright light of the world to which we are headed, the kingdom of God, and saying, fix your eyes on this. We have a king and he is ruling today. Never forget that. Let that truth awaken in your heart. Hang on to it. Live on it, especially when you're in a dark season of life. And let hope dawn in your soul, and it will bring enduring grit to carry on for him. So that's where we're going today. And just what's going to uh, excited about today, and even that the Lord provided a somewhat dark day. And this is the darkest week of the year. So it's fitting as we hit the equinox, shortest day of the year, most darkness, that, that we are going to come to a text that's going to, hope is going to dawn in a way that will fill our hearts with soul to endure the dark moments of life. So we're going to look at three context in which this truth dawns to, to some people throughout history. And in each context, God's preserved it for us so that it brings hope to our own. We share in these, these moments and it will bring hope to our own heart today. So the first context is in when this promise was first given, and this is in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16 is where we'll be. I'll give quick background. We covered this text, unpacked this text this earlier this year in the spring. 
this is uh, back when David was finally king of Israel. He had many enemies, but God had given him rest from his enemies. He, he was prospering. The nation was prospering. And so he looks around and he says, wait a minute, God has given me all this and we're worshiping him in a tent, the tabernacle. Why don't I build him a house? And the, the prophet Nathan was like, go for it. But that night when Nathan went to bed, he had a dream and God appeared to him in that dream and said, basically, stop the plans, building plans. David is not going to build me a house. It's not what I'm calling him to do. And we, we'll get to the end of it where God is speaking here, verse 16 of 2 Samuel chapter 7. He says, your house and your kingdom will endure for, forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So in essence, what, what um, God gives David here is a promise solely of grace, but saying, you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build your, you a house, and it is going to be established forever. So your kingdom will, will carry on forever. Did he say forever? And it's like, okay. God brought him out of the, from being a shepherd to being king, and now he speaks into his future. And we have what David's response, which is so good, as he says, there in verse 18, then David, the king, went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, sovereign Lord, and what is my family, that you brought me this far? And, and as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, sovereign Lord, is not for a mere human. So here God gives David a promise that turns his future beautiful. For as far as he can see, forever. Can you imagine David falling asleep that night trying to absorb <laughs> this news which forever changed his future? And, and how's this going to work out? Don't know, but this is a promise that God gave him on this day. And guys, what's neat about the Christmas story is we celebrate Christmas. We're celebrating the fulfillment of this promise, but we share in this promise. The hope that David felt that night is a hope that you and I share through faith in Jesus Christ and that God desires for us to, to, to rest in and to celebrate and to live with that vantage point in front of us. But, but it carries on. Um, on to the next context where this truth dawns is in, it's a prophecy from Isaiah. This is just one place. We could go to many places, but to give context for this, Israel had, uh, after David dies, the kingdom goes up down, but pretty much it's on a downward trend. They're drifting from God. They follow king after king after king who is following idols instead of following, worshiping God. And as they drift from God, he had told them in his covenant, judgment would come. And so they're about to go into captivity. Isaiah's, if you read Isaiah, you just see one warning after another. You're headed to captivity, headed to captivity. And so it's a dark day in Israel's history, one of the darkest for, for them. Um, hope is nowhere to be seen. And yet in this chapter, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it's like the bright light of hope shines for a moment. And we'll read verses 6 and 7. Isaiah says this to this nation that is headed into captivity. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Love that picture. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, his shalom, there will be no end. And this next phrase is significant. He will reign on who? On David's throne and over his kingdom. 
establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so it's important to notice whose throne will this child rule on? We know this is speaking of Jesus, the Messiah. He will rule on David's throne. He'll establish his kingdom with justice and righteousness. And notice again, the the emphasis on this will be forever. And you just feel the, and see the hope of this prophecy. We would ask, and I think the people here would ask, will this really happen ever? (laughs) Living in a broken world with fallen people, we're all fallen, um, sinful leaders, sinful souls, every one of us, is this really going to happen? And don't you love how he ends it? The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is going to come to pass. And here on one of the darkest pages of Israel's history, this truth dawns, filling them and filling us with hope. The king is coming. One of our family traditions is uh, has been, it's kind of happened, but we call it Christmas in the city, where we take one night during the Christmas season and just go to whatever big city we're near and go celebrate. And so I had to dinner and then do just fun stuff in the city. And when the kids were young, we were living somewhere else and uh, but thought, let's go to Indy and spend the night. And Jessie was at the age where she was kind of the, the princess Disney thing. And, and what would be as close to Disney and the city as you could get? It would be the carriage ride. So we saved up and we're going to do a carriage ride where the horse buggy go through the city and you look at Christmas lights and it's just, oh, so just wonderful, just magic. And so we planned on that, and that was the pinnacle of our evening. We show up to go on this carriage ride, but immediately Tam and I start getting yellow flags where the driver was not instilling confidence in us, in her abilities. And then she informed us, and the horse is a new horse. So if it's a little jumpy, hey, it, it's learning this, so just kind of go with it. I'm like, okay, we're on the driver's ed version of horse and buggy (laughs) and like all right and sure enough jumpy was an understatement of the night this horse was wanting to go every different direction we're sitting at a a, uh, coming up to a very busy intersection in indianapolis cars going this way and that and the horse is not wanting to put on the brakes finally she gets it to stop and she's yelling at it and all magic of the moment is gone for me the treasure of my life is in this flimsy carriage being driven by a horse and a driver that I do not trust. And so um, I went into save the family mode. And I'm like, Jess was around four or five. Chad was old enough there. He could cover, take care of his own. And so I was like, babe, when I yell jump, you, you take Chad and you go out that side. I'm going to football Jess and we're going out this side of the carriage. But we're not going to die on Christmas in the city with the, in this, uh, this carriage tonight. It was, it was an exhilarating ride, looking back on it. Thankfully, we made it. We didn't have to jump. But I often think about that picture, the sobering side of that, of where we are um, and those we love are at the mercy of a world that has gone crazy and governments that are corrupt and we find ourselves in uh, places here in this world that uh, it's a mess. And praise God for our nation, our country, and yet we're not without our problems. And, and as we look to the future and the governments of, that, that are on human shoulders, they're so fickle and fragile and prone to dysfunction and, and that leads to very real pain. And yet, the hope that we have today 
and this precious hope. Our king is coming. He has, and we know at Christmas he has come, but his full, we live in an already not yet kingdom where his kingdom will come in all of its fullness. And one day he will put the government fully on his shoulders and rule with a perfect justice and a perfect righteousness. And with that, hope, is, hope dawns in our hearts. But the, uh, but the third context where we see this hope dawning is the one we celebrate this time of year, the announcement to Mary. So in Luke chapter 1, verses, we'll, we'll begin reading in verse 26. It says in the sixth, or, uh, or just to context this again, as we come to this moment, this is many years past Isaiah's prophecy, 400 years of silence. We know that God has not spoken to his people. We know that the world at this time is under Roman oppression. And so the big idea, big hope of the people of Israel was to get out from under Rome. And so as we come to this text, it's a dark season as well. It's a dark time, a time of silence. And yet God speaks and and just precious moment here is, says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of who? David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be called great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. And here the angel is telling Mary and God revealing to us, Mary, this is the one. This one is the one fulfilling the promise to David, the prophecy to Isaiah. This one is the king. Your child will reign on David's throne forever. His kingdom will never end. And can you imagine the hope, the wonder, the mystery, and we know as we hear the story play out in just dawning in Mary's heart (laughs) and she wraps her mind around this but um, ah, her future turns a beautiful bright as we watch hope dawn in each of these three kingdom announcements did you notice the theme that, that is emphasized the kingdom of our king is one that's forever it's eternal and I believe what God wants us to see this morning and wants us to hold tightly to as we follow him through this dark world is that we follow a king who is ruling, but ruling over a kingdom that is eternal. And what we see here, what we experience here, it's all temporary, but what he has established and will bring into fulfillment is something that's, it's a forever kingdom. And he is worthy of our everything his teaching, he tells us, seek first my kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. And especially, I think today, the message, when your days are dark and you're in that spot where you're not seeing a bright future, remember this. As Paul said to Timothy, remember this. Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. 
Remember this. Fix your eyes on this. Let this bring hope to your soul. So I ask you today, what's bringing darkness to you in these moments? And I'm guessing every one of us probably has something that's pulling the shade on hope, that's shadowing our life, bringing darkness. I immediately thought about Dan Vreeland and Lisa. Dan goes in for a uh, spine surgery tomorrow, and we're praying for him. But he's looking at like a six-month recovery, limited mobility. And uh, that's a dark space. Your darkness may be something physical. Your darkness may be something, just an emotional thing you're working through. Maybe um, a new season of life that's just hard. Maybe it's a relationship that's not right and um, not seeing how is this going to resolve. Maybe it's a marriage that you feel like this is hopeless and there's no way through this. Maybe it's a job that is just draining you or a uh, Maybe you don't have a job and wondering how am I, how's this going to work out? And right now life is just hard. Maybe it's just the grind of life where, where it can just get hard down here, can it? Just feeling like that groundhog day and just, man, I'm stuck in this rut. And, and here, and what a beautiful time of year. I love this time of year. Darkest week of the year. We have a bright light of hope that is dawning. Paul said it from prison. Echoing through the centuries to us today, remember this, Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descendant of David, descendant of David, he is ruling today, our king is alive, his kingdom is, has come and is coming in its fullness, call this to mind, remember this as you go through life. So, why did God become human is the question we're asking, and today the the big idea answer is he became human, human to reign on David's throne to fulfill the promise, the prophecy, and to usher in his kingdom. And I believe as we awaken to this truth and then live on it, it's what will give us that enduring grit to live with hope when when life is hard. Viktor Frankl, a survivor of the concentration camps in World War II, made this observation. He said, hope for the future was the single most important factor in determining survival of the prisoners. When a prisoner lost hope, it was only a matter of time before they would, dis- they would begin to disintegrate mentally and physically and then be gone. How do we live with enduring hope when life is hard and when the days are dark? And today the, the core message is remember this, remember this, remember this. Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Our king rules today. And so it's fitting today as we, that we uh, celebrate the baptisms of Justin and, and Marcia Smith. And as I l- listened to their faith story, one of the things that struck me was just how dark and hopeless their life was before coming to Christ. And they um, are both, uh, Justin and Marcia, are gifted people, talented, hardworking um, courageous, both serve, have served in, in the military, both successful in the, their vocations, Jason excavating, Marsha engineering, they love, love life, racing, and, and uh, um, God's given them a beautiful family, Marissa and Harley, and, and yet um, before Christ or without Christ, their, their life was dark and hard and hopeless and without meaning. And yet God used those dark days in, in a variety of means to draw them to himself. And today, if, 
um, if you talk with them, you can see the love of Christ, the joy, the hope that they have, and they would be the first, first, first to say, we're not perfect as none of us are, and yet there is a hope as they have trusted Christ as their Savior and desire to follow him and make him king of their lives. I was talking with uh, Justin just before the service, and he said, I'm getting those uh, like marriage butterflies in my stomach as I come to be baptized, and was thinking, you know, appreciate that because baptism is that pledge of allegiance where we we, uh, say to the Lord, to our king, I'm all in. And I'm living for your kingdom, not my kingdom. And I trust you and I follow you. And I'm not bringing like, um, okay, this part of my life to the table. I'm bringing all all the chips I got. I'm putting them to you and then I will follow you. Whichever way you say go, I will go. And just love the picture though. This is life. And the picture of living in his kingdom. The kingdom of God is not just where we will what we will experience. But today, through faith, we live in his kingdom. We experience his love and his joy and his peace and his provision. And as Wes was describing the king, that is our our gift, isn't it, today? We praise God for his work of grace in, in your lives, but also in all of our lives, don't we? We thank him. So I ask you today, is he king of your heart? Have you surrendered your life to him? Are you seeking his kingdom first in in every way? And are you living on this truth today, allowing this to fill you with hope? Our king has come. He has defeated sin, death. He was raised from the dead. He ascended to heaven and he promised, I am going to prepare a place for you and I will return so that you will be with me. Today he offers salvation to everyone who will call to him in faith. The doors of heaven have swung open. The doors into his kingdom are available to all who will come to him in faith. And church, I just want to remind us of uh, who we are. I was thinking even this morning as we were worshiping and just driving up this morning, just a reminder, we're an outpost of his kingdom. We follow one, our king. His word is our law. His law is love. He, uh, and he, he gave us a mission We gather to encourage each other and build each other up, but then we don't stay here for survival, do we? He didn't save us to make it through life. He saved us to be ambassadors for him, ambassadors of his kingdom, and that uh, we were to go into the darkness. We're to scatter and go on mission. Christmas is not about warm fuzzies sitting by the fireplace with chestnuts roasting. It is, but it's not. (laughs) Christmas is an invasion. It's soldiers, warriors, taking light to darkness. Some of you, I was talking with Seth um, just yesterday and saying, man, it was awesome how God brought him into some dark places this week, helping people through some very deep hurts and pains. But you go into a dark place and it's not easy. Paul in prison, Timothy, what he was going to face, you, what you're going through. But in the darkness, what a gift to know that this is where the king has us for this season. So that we might bring light to the darkness. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. And so as we come to this season, may God just equip us. I I hope and pray this verse that Paul gives to Timothy will be something you take with you for the rest of your journey. Remember this. Don't forget this. Let your eyes stay fixed on this, especially when it's hard and it's dark. Here it is. Jesus Christ 
raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And as we go to prayer, just give you a, a chance to express to the Lord what you're, what you're thinking as you respond to this truth. Lord, I, my prayer right now would be that you would reveal yourself to us even in these moments as king. And help us to see you as you showed the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration where you showed them your glory. I, I pray that for each person here today. Lord, through your word, let us see your glory. Let us see you ruling and reigning even as our world feels so chaotic and our lives feel dark. I pray this vision of you as king would bring hope that would give us that enduring grit to serve you well while we're here. Lord, we thank you for your grace in our lives. You have been so good. Thank you for this promise to David, the prophecy to Isaiah, the announcement to Mary, and then we see the story playing out in our prayer now, Lord, is that you would come. Come, Lord Jesus. Think about Revelation 22, where you you announce that promise, that you are coming as the root and offspring of David. And we worship you as our king. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.